Hello and welcome to another episode of Hot Takes, the story screen podcast where we see new movies and develop. We have a seed of an idea, we put it into the earth, we pour a little water on that seed, we wait. Uh, no time, it's a chia pet of ideas. It grows so so fast, so fast <laughs> the chia pet of ideas grow and it turns into the hottest of takes. We take that, put it in a pie. Make a save, you know, you know what I mean. We have opinions. We talk about them right after we see movies. We go to the microphone. We let you guys listen. Um, <laughs> if you love rambling, you've come to the right place. If you like other, maybe less rambly content, uh, you can go on storiesfromvegan.com and you can also find a whole bunch of other interesting content there. You can also go to our YouTube channel and uh, you can see some videos where uh, most of the things we say are pre-recorded um, and it has a script, so it's less ums and less, you know meandering but if you like meandering you're in the right place <laughs> with the right host i'm robbie how's it going and you're joined by someone who meanders less uh bernadette gorman white how are you hi uh i do meander possibly less but also very often <laughs> and and sometimes at great length so we'll see so, how this goes so, so sometimes we're evenly matched for for meandering yeah <laughs> you might i might have you beat this time but we shall see yeah. Uh, Burn, how, how are you? How are you doing on this uh, snowy, wintry day in New York? I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm actually a big fan of snow, uh, as long as it's like safe for everyone, not safe. Oh, you've, got, you've yeah. gotten a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, not great for <clears throat> Texas right now, but for us, it's like, no. we're doing great. The snow is wonderful. <laughs> New York is a little uh, it's a little more equipped for snow, um, despite the past few years have not gotten a ton of it. But yeah. we, are, we are definitely more built for it, and you know, our hearts go out to everyone in Texas right now who's who's dealing with some bad ice. But I think by the time this episode goes up, uh, the weather there should be better, um, but hopefully everyone in the meantime is getting the, the relief that they need. Um, definitely. Yeah, so. it- so you know another another episode that starts about us talking about whatever disaster is happening in the world uh, to date ourselves coronavirus still exists yes uh, the aliens came down but they went back mm-hmm. to space uh, we landed on Mars that's pretty cool true we sent a robot there today true um, I think we got and, to the uh, point in the yeah, coronavirus <laughs> that mm-hmm. um, they're saying that it will obviously stop as a pandemic at a certain point, but they do think it will be an epidemic where it'll just be like every once in a while you'll catch a case of the COVID because they don't know if they're going to like outright get rid of it, which is a crazy thought. But at least we're getting to like that point of the realization. Sure. Like one tier below the shittiest. Right. <laughs> well, I know like if you have the vaccine, like you could still get it, but it's going to be way less shitty. Um, cause, uh, Kirsten got, got both. She's at, she is at like almost full shields right now. Oh yes, that's true. Yeah. So she, you know, so she could, she could get it, but it won't, you know, knock her on her ass. But if she does get it, then she'll give it to me. And I got asthma, so. Yeah. Heath is at half shield right now. So Mm. moving on up. Better than no shields. (laughs) Which you and I, no shields. Yeah. We're, we're, uh, (laughs) we're raw dogging this virus. (laughs) (laughs) No shields. <laughs> um, great. Uh, well, Burn, enough about current events. Let's mm-hmm. talk about a story that takes place in the 80s. And it's a, it's a new A24 joint. We're here to talk about Minari, directed and written by Lee Isaac Chung, um, starring a whole bunch of really great people, probably most well-known Stephen Yun, but also Yuri Han, Alan S. Kim, Noel Cho. Um, it, this movie uh, came out, 
last year, it's you know mo- the movie's coming out these days. Who can say? Who yeah, knows who knows when, when they- these come out? Yeah, who knows? Is this if I if I love this movie and and by the end of twenty twenty one, I really still love it and I and I put it on my list. Do I go to fucking movie jail? I don't think so. I don't, I don't but think who so knows? Who knows where it will be? That's true. It's a little early to say and um, abolish the police anyway. So, <laughs> right. So you no can't police. put me in movie jail if <laughs> there's no cops. Um, but yeah, we, we saw Minari, uh, the new A24 joint. Uh, not a spooky, but an artsy. It's kind of one or the other with those guys. Mm-hmm. That's um, true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even though you know, maybe there's some spooky parts of this movie. Was the this nature or spooky? Naturey. Yeah, naturey. Or, you know, if you got Midsummer, it's like it's a little bit of both. Um, but Burn, what's your what's your hot take on Minari? Um, as much as I am looking forward to getting into like actual spoiler territory later on in this podcast, I'm interested what we'll talk about because this movie is just so like well rounded and just good. Like the the acting was great, the story's great, it looks great, it sounds great. It's just like, yeah. this is just a good movie. It is just a good movie. And it's hard, I think, with like the, the slice of life movies where, you know, it's almost like uh, it seems like it's a little uh, autobiographical as well. And, you know, so it's kind of like, I, I mean, you know, narratively, if it really happened, like I'm not here to say, like, oh, I wish <laughs> this character had more time. It's like, well, no, this is a person's fucking life. So, like, I don't know. Uh, yeah. One time I wrote a story for a creative writing class and a very mm. famous man now uh, was my professor for that creative writing class. And yeah, I wrote a story and I changed some details, but most of it was from my life. And he told me it wasn't believable. And I was like, Okay. <laughs> Well, all right. Yeah. I mean, it's not it's not quite the meme where it's like, this happened to my buddy David. It's like the letterbox review for Joker, um, <laughs> which I always like seeing. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, to, to discuss it, you know, kind of like on a, on a smaller scale for what it is. Yeah, I totally agree. It, it looks it looks great. The performances are really good. Um, you know, we've been deprived of spooky A24, A24 movies, but this is kind of the... The follow-up to, I think the most recent A24 movie released before this one was uh, First Cow. And I think First Cow and this movie have a decent amount in common, uh, them being movies that are kind of about um, the American dream. But, you know, I think this movie has a little bit more going on. It's much more about, like, um, I don't even want to say it's much more. It's about it's about a lot of things, but it's not necessarily about one thing, right? You know, it's not, it's not you know, we, it, it follows a Korean family who... Uh, has lived in America, but is now leaving uh, California to live in Arkansas. And kind of uh, the father of, of the family, played by Stephen Yoon, uh, is trying to pursue a, a dream he's had of farming. And um, so, you know, it's that's like a big element of it as well. It's like kind of the push and pull of like your desires and your dreams. Um, there's also a little bit of like... Uh, embracing your culture, leaving your culture behind. Like, what? Like, what does it really mean to start start anew? Um, especially when you're like really in a new place and not losing who you were. Um, but yeah, there's a lot going on in this movie. I think it juggles it all it all very well. You know, um, burn. Were you? You know, this is uh, is a, a slow burn. Comma <laughs> burn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. burn. Um, but did you, were you entertained and engaged the entire time as you're watching it? I was definitely. And I think it, 
harkens back to what you just mentioned with like how it juggles all of the different things it's trying to say and how well paced it is. And it's really smart. Uh, we'll get into like the specifics of what I mean later on, but it's really smart because it introduces a lot of things throughout the film that kind of keep you on the edge of your seat. They do tell you like, well, these things possibly could go wrong and you don't really know which ones are going to actually happen um, which ones won't happen, which ones were kind of like a MacGuffin. Um, sure. So, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of tension in, in the movie at times. Yeah. And so uh, the fact of, like, setting it up at the very beginning of the film, saying, like, this one person shouldn't do this one thing, and then the rest of the movie you see them trying to do that thing even though they shouldn't. Sure. It's just, like, a lot of uh, really good story building, and I think that uh, probably because Lee Isaac Chung – like could build off of that and i think that's what uh makes it really impressive that it is autobiographical because while it is telling i'm sure a lot of things that happened in his life he still knew how to make it an engaging story i think he definitely like used the movie magic to make it seem like a movie yeah i totally agree it's not it's not so you know it's not like you know it's not a documentary right like it's not it's not so cut and dry where it's like trying to to tell us like this is something that like actually happened it's it's embellished you know in in some capacity um and yeah it's it's movie e elements how subtle they are work really well because you know for a movie that is a slice of li- a slice of life movie a slow burn you know much more of like just seeing like what this family specifically this family is dealing with um there, there are still a lot of elements that, like, you know, there, especially towards the end where you're, at, like, they, they really start kind of, like, you know, juggling all the things that they have. And, like, <laughs> not in, like, a in a slow juggle. And, like, now we got the, the chainsaws are in, are in the clown's hands. You know, right. Like, <laughs> Six plates are up and spinning. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, I don't think the movie is, like, all all that stressful and, and it doesn't need to be necessarily. Like, if anything, it's, it's more of, like, the, the empathy machine of you being, like... You know, these guys are really nice. Mm-hmm. Wanted to work out for them, and it really seems like it's not. And then by the end, you're like, "Fuck, stop!" <laughs> <laughs> it's not working out for them. Yeah, <laughs> there were there was a lot of like my mouth open and like my my hands covering my mouth by the end of the film because yeah. you think like, "Oh, well, X, Y, and Z can happen," but then you find out like some Greek letter is like happening instead you're like yeah. that wasn't even on my like bingo card like that? god damn it why i didn't even know that was going to be an option for what could have yeah. happened but everything like leading up to that moment when you when it's happening like at the very end of the film you're like oh no they like gave me all the ingredients they were like it's well, all there this is yeah this was there this was there i'm like oh man yeah. this movie got me it tricked me it was, i totally it was cool. agree yeah, and and I really appreciate this movie's uh, humor at times, and I think it takes a while for it to kind of like it, it like it, it lays the groundwork, kind of teaching you who everyone is, you know what their vibes are and stuff like that, and and it slowly kind of starts to position like all right here like maybe the the characters we're focusing the most on in this family, and then it kind of like let, I feel like it like lets loose a little bit like it takes its shoes off and it, it like makes itself at home and and you're like. This movie's actually like really funny at times, especially in like the the middle of the movie. I feel like has the most just like this is this is hilarious. Like I was like laughing out loud. Um, oh yes, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I really, I did really enjoy this movie. It's nice to 
to see movies like like this that are just kind of a nice chill vibe um humble it's a humble movie mm-hmm. right i think that's fair to say it's a very humble movie extremely humble mhm um yeah it looks good sounds good i like their trailer yeah you know they're in this trailer like this place fucking sucks i'm like i don't know man <laughs> seems kind of nice okay. Seems kind of nice to me. Spoilers from the movie. It's a, it, a lot of it takes place in a trailer. <laughs> um, but I think it's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, that that trailer is a lot nicer than a lot of the trailers that I had friends back home in southeastern Indiana. I've been in a, a good handful of trailers in my time, and that trailer was yeah. a lot nicer than some of those trailers. Did Does any, you know, I, I know a little bit about your background, burn because we've known each other for a while, but, you know... It, and I know that this isn't necessarily adjacent to where where you live, but like maybe the the vibe of it could be right. Yeah. Uh, were, did any of those elements like resonate with you, or, or you were like that's spot on, or were you just kind of like not so much? <laughs> I think the things that resonated most with me was uh, going to church with other families when I would get permission to go to another church because I, I was mm. raised Catholic, but I've been to a lot of Christian churches as well, and I've attended like. Bible study at different uh, religious sects, like their movements. So I've kind of had like a different flavor of religion for a lot of different uh, sects of religion. But uh, so yeah, like the church scenes were very fun to me because that seemed very correct and grounded. Um, And yeah, the crop idea, we didn't grow crops. Um, That's not something my family ever did. But there, I lived around a lot of crops. There was always like tobacco being grown, or corn being grown, or soy soybeans being grown, and were they you would like pretty out in seclusion, kind of like where you lived. Yeah, uh, I lived in a pretty rural area. I mean, granted, mm-hmm. I was about an hour outside of Cincinnati and about like an hour and fifteen minutes out of Indianapolis in either direction, and about okay. like an hour and a half away from Louisville, Kentucky. So I was kind of like in the the inner triangle of those three major cities um but you did have to drive to like get to a mall like you couldn't just like go to the adjacent mall so whenever the mom was saying like there's not a hospital for like an hour that was the thing that kind of like really like kind of you know i think about like the nearest hospital to where i live right now is 40 minutes away i'm like or a half hour you know and i'm like damn that's mad far yeah like for them it's like actually like a hike and um you know there's reasons in the movie where they have to like really be even more cognizant of it right right um yeah and and like and like you know that's another it's an element of tension that i didn't really i would never really think about um because i've always lived in like i've lived in suburban areas pretty much my whole life or um you know, cl- close to other other things, a little bit more out there other times, but for the most part, close close to stuff. Yeah, I think this will give you a good, it'll paint a good picture of where I grew up. Uh, at my high school, there was one day every year where, like, you could drive whatever you wanted to school, and several of my oh. classmates <laughs> drove tractors to school, and that was, like, yeah. tractor day at my high school. I mean, I didn't drive a tractor to school. I didn't have a tractor, but no. But that was not <laughs> but uncommon. Could, but you could have. <laughs> but I could have. You could have saddled up your tractor, and did anyone ever bring a horse? No, no one ever brought a horse. Cowards. <laughs> I know. And you say you could take anything. No I cowboys. Guess, I mean, what you, no cowboys out there. No. no. Just cow cowards. Just cowards. 
just cowards. <laughs> How has that never been in a movie? <laughs> That's crazy. I don't know. There's no way I just invented it because it's it's right there. Right. Right. It's right there. It's in. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, listeners, I think ca- look at that. Hey. Yeah, uh, email us, e- email email uh, Mike, if you've seen coward, <laughs> a cow coward pun situation in the movie before. Uh, tell Mike, I don't want to actually fucking know, but he... He would love that. We'd be, I think he'd be very curious if you blew up his inbox and told him about it. Yeah, he'd be touched. Relentlessly, yes. <laughs> yes, 100%. But yeah, so the rural aspect really did speak to me. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I grew up... Like on the the richer side of the poor spectrum, or like the the lower tier of the middle class spectrum, so I can kind of relate okay. to that as well, but not nearly as heavily as uh, the characters in this family. But I, my first house that I lived in when I lived in Indiana, we had a well, and that's how we yeah. got our water. It was out of the cistern, and you'd have to have your water delivered if you ran out too early, or if it wasn't like leaching the water from the ground. Mm. If it was a really dry summer. We would run out of water sooner. Oh, wow. So, okay. like, those types of things were really speaking to me. I could definitely that relate. Texture in the movie. Yeah. 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 But it, it definitely wasn't a story that I could say, like, yes, I lived that life. Like, it was still no. different for me, for sure. No, yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah, definitely. There's there's a few big differences, right? <laughs> yes. Um, but, yeah, and the, also the, the aspect that they, you know, they're um, – even more new to it in a way, like where they're they've coming, they're coming from, they're coming from Korea to a city, to a rural area, and so like that kind of like trifecta does seem like it'd be really tough. Um, I I can't imagine having that many just giant sweeping changes in your life, um, in your lifetime. You know, like I haven't done all that much in my life, and if I moved to someplace completely different, I I think I'd spend the first week just having a panic attack. <laughs> And then the second week, just being really nervous, normal style. <laughs> yeah, normal style. Normal style, just fucking terrified all the time. And then eventually I transitioned to vaguely annoyed. Right. Like, why did I yeah. make this choice? Yeah, why did I do that? And then maybe it would set it to be nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, a- a- any movie I think that deals with immigration and like kind of like having to adapt to American culture or chasing the American dream, it like... It's always like a shakeup in in what we take for granted, what maybe we don't understand as, you know, white folk who have been born and raised here. Um, and it's always, you know, it's of course, it's always good to see movies like this and to kind of like have a, have a gleam into like those lifestyles. But I think this movie kind of sets itself apart from other films that deal with these things just because um, it's it's so tender and sweet and humble and it's not just juggling one or two of these elements like it, it is so much about like it's not just about family it's about this family you know it's very it's very like honed in and specific and i really like appreciate those things and you know i, I think it's why it's like i like a movie like um like the farewell kind of did that for me where it's about like you know it's about culture it's about like uh, that dichotomy between like you know being american but then in that in uh farewell's case it's also being chinese and then it's like how that dichotomy shifts and then also like kind of embracing culture and finding your culture again and um even even a movie way different but kind of that idea uh that that t- uh, that took of war between uh leaving your culture behind to start a new but 
but maybe that not being the way, like having to maybe like embrace both or embrace your demons. Uh, uh, his house that came out last year on Netflix uh, deals with that it, more in, a, in in the spooky realm. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, it's a thing that you know pops up in a lot of movies, and and I always really like to see. And those are all like very like three different examples, you know, the mm-hmm. whole like kind of deal with that thematically. Yeah, a surprisingly human story that also gives you an education into. A different, yeah. yeah, situation that you can say like, well, yes, we are still somewhat different. There are still things mm. that separate us and make each culture special, but we're more alike than what we care yeah. to see most of the time. We all we all deal with the same junk, right? Cool. Well, uh, Burn, do you have any other uh, spoiler free thoughts on Minari before we move on? Uh, if you haven't uh, seen it yet, listeners, highly recommend going and seeing this film. You can go to a24.com or you can go to storyscreenbeacon.com on our page. You'll find a link where you'll go to the A24 screening site. And they're only like about, I don't know, like I think they added an extra week of screenings. So maybe okay, by cool. the time this drops, I think there are still a few more days left. But Yeah, go check it out. It's very easy to do uh, once you buy the ticket they just send you an email on the day of your screening and you just click it and they send you right to it you just got to sign in they'll make a login very easy to do and uh it's only one extra step if you go through our website and we appreciate the click so let's do that and while you're there check out all the other stuff that we do because we do a lot of sh- a lot of shit for sure a shit <laughs> and yeah um, i would say uh yeah, make the A24 login. Like, it's so easy. And then once, mm. like, finally St. Maud and the Green Knight start dropping, like, you already have made your login. And there you go. True. <laughs> yeah, Burn, what's your most anticipated uh, A24 movie on the horizon? Probably St. Maud, but I know I'm going to be terrified, but I'm really excited to see it. <laughs> I, think Green, I think it's Green Knight for me. But then even some of, like, the... Um, the other projects that like are are less like are further down the line. Like I'm trying to think of the one. I'm looking. What's the one? Go for it. You you go. No, yeah, you too. I was gonna say I'm really looking forward to Zola when that comes out. It's that mm. story. Do you know about Zola? Maybe when you talk about it, I will. But I'm not sure. It was the movie that was made from that Twitter feed of those two prostitutes who like went on this like really terrible call. And, Mm -hmm. uh, like, one was just tagging along to the other girl's gig, essentially. And, like, shit just starts going crazy. And it's, like, basically this girl was, like, tweeting the whole time it was happening. And this is, like, a real-life story of what happened to these two (laughs) prostitutes. And they decided to make a movie out of it. And I'm like, yeah, Yeah. I want to watch that. We'll we'll lump that into spooky. uh, (laughs) Spooky A24 movies. Yeah. Uh, there's that Eric Wareheim one that's coming oh, as well, yes. right? Is it Eric Wareheim and like Nathan Fielder also, or am I like pitching a dream? I mean, that would a be a like dream I had. Best case scenario. I, I, I don't know, know right? if Nathan Fielder's involved, but I'll take just Eric Wareheim as well. That, right. Don't get me, don't get me wrong. <laughs> and then there's one with uh, the guy who, fuck, what's his name? He was in the he was he's the main guy in the mummy and then he didn't Oh do yes, Brendan Fraser. Yes, Brendan Fraser. Uh and then he's announced to be in a movie as well, and I'm very excited to see him do stuff. Yeah. He always seemed he seemed nice as well. Yeah. And I feel like Hollywood spit him out. Oh, <laughs> I, I know. I feel like they chewed him up and spit him out, and I don't like that. Yeah, it was messy. 
It wasn't very mm-hmm. clean. But yeah, that's like the new Darren Aronofsky, and I think they're shooting that parts of it in oh. Newburgh. Hey, now. I wonder if there'll be a scene. Maybe they'll come to Fishkill and shoot a scene at the Red Line Diner. There you go. Maybe. Just like uh, <laughs> just like another movie we liked from last year. Yeah. We shall see. The movies right, well, are just like circling us. They're like vultures around us the well, whole time. Well, you know, the Hudson cool. Valley is a, is a beautiful place to shoot movies. And... Um, we welcome everyone to come here and, and and come see a movie at our house when it when it reopens. For sure. Uh, if you're around famous people who who definitely listen to this podcast. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You you know who you are. Mm-hmm. Thank you. We won't call you out by name, but we know you're listening. No, wink Brad. <laughs> wink Pitt wink. <laughs> Thanks, Wink. Mm-hmm. Um Cool. So we'll be uh, right back to talk about spoilies for Minari. And like we said, if if you needed a push to go see the movie, please, please go see it if you have the ability to. Um, yeah, thanks for listening so far. We'll talk to you soon. Talk at you soon. We're back with spoilies for Minari. A move. Can you spoil this movie? We'll find out. No one dies. No one so dies. Already, that already takes away my <laughs> my main the main thing I like to do. To get to this part, but you're nervous uh, the whole time that a couple of them might die, especially by the fucking end. The whole, I, at the end of the movie, I'm just like they're gonna kill the parents. Oh no, the grandma's gonna die, or the daughter's gonna die. I don't. Know. I mean, I, I feared for everyone. They did something really scary at the end of that movie, you do think the parents died because they show this black and white photo of them in a black frame that looks like it could be on the top of a coffin. And then you see them and you're like, oh, okay. I thought we were like at their funeral. That sucked. That's 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 a, a bit of a fake out. I agree. I think at that point I was like, no, I think we're good. I remember I had a point where I was like, are they going to kill the son? And I was like, no, they're not. Because he's like the director of the movie. <laughs> yeah. But I did have like that moment. I was like, oh, he has the heart murmur, like Chekhov's heart murmur. Uh, yeah. It's like maybe something wrong. Maybe he was the sister the whole time. Maybe he's telling it maybe. from like this fake siblings perspective. Perhaps. Perhaps. Um, but yeah, hard, hard to spoil the movie, but we can talk about specific elements we really enjoyed. Um, yeah. I, you know, I, I think... The movie really started to put its hooks in me when the humor started to really shine. Um, I like gasped at the the, the whole section of uh, t- saying his his penis doesn't work, <laughs> him calling it a ding dong, and then him doing the the piss in the cup thing. I was just like, this is this is movie movie of of the universe material. This is this is my shit, hundred percent percent. It's so good. <laughs> Um, I loved all that. The, the kid, um, let me pull up his name real quick. Uh, Alan S. Kim is, he is spectacular. He's so funny. In this movie. And both the kids, just like, you know, I, I think I take it for granted because I speak one language, mediocre. Um, but just like, you know, their ability to just like, at that age, just switch between languages like on the fly like that is just like, Endlessly, and to act as well, you know, to be to be doing that and acting the entire time at that age is just, it's really something tremendous and special. Oh, yeah. The fact that it was Alan, little little baby Alan's first movie mm-hmm. is a feat. It, it put me yeah. in mind of, um, I forget the actress's name, but the young girl who was in the Florida Project. I'm like, yeah, these kids are just like natural talents. It's that incredible. Bro- Florida Project, you're like, 
Oh yeah, this is, this is a, a movie. Like it's not like real life. Yeah. Um. This this movie at time you're like this is a movie, right? Like it's it's building drama. I mean, Florida Project does it as well, but like Florida Project really like fucking. I feel like trips you out. It, it messes with, you it's, up. It's, yeah, you have to see um, William Dafoe to be like, oh yeah, movie, movie. <laughs> right, 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 right. Easy. Phew! Thank God, movie. Yeah. Although it is like painting a portrait of, I'm sure what a lot of people actually deal with, but it's like, I, it, please, it, it, just it seems be a like movie. it might be accurate. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Yeah, please don't be too real, even though I think you are. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think all the performances in this movie are really good. Um, Stephen Yeun continues mm-hmm. to impress. Um, he's always so good, and I lo- <laughs> I just love that I can see him. I you know when I when I see him, I, I everyone, probably, everyone probably you know some people might think Walking Dead. Yeah. Some people you know could even think uh, Burning, but like yeah. for me, I I think of his. I think you should leave sketch <laughs> every time. <laughs> Um, and I did even now. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's so good. The grandma's good. The wife, everyone, everyone's just so, so good in this movie. And, you know, I, I don't want to maybe, I don't know if it's time to talk about it now or to, or to save it, but the fact that it's up for an Academy Award, but in a very, in, in not, I think the correct category is, is now, now having seen the movie, it's even more just like fucking mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah, like it's it's crazy. So that it's did Academy Award nominations drop, or are we talking Golden Globes at the moment? Oh, was it Golden Globes? I thought it was Oscars. So Golden Globes put it in Best Foreign Film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, still mind blowing. Still mind blowing. Yeah, because I think uh, we haven't gotten any Oscar noms yet. No, but I, I bet don't think like, so either. As you said, I think the other day, I think that's happening in April or March. I can't remember what you I said. I think it's it's happening in April, okay. so we should be hearing in the next few weeks or by the latest. Yeah, I would mid mid March. I would love for the the Oscars to put it in like best film to be like a big fuck you to the Globes to be like, hey, listen, <laughs> by yeah. the way, I think I, I think I assumed Oscars because the Oscars fuck shit up all the time, right? They're known for fucking shit up, but but no, it was I who fucked shit up. The Golden Globes <laughs> did it first. Um, but yeah, now, now having seen the movie, it's like, all right, yeah, this, you guys kind of fucked that up a little bit, right? Yeah. I mean, I think the, the main contention is that it's like an American film director and an, a million, like an American, uh, production company, like yeah. the people who edited it, like everything, they're all Korean American. up in Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, yes, they're Korean talking about their korean yeah. heritage but they are all com- korean americans <laughs> so yeah. it's just uh, this is just racism we'll just say it it's just racism it's just, yeah i mean it's just <laughs> or, yeah, it's just racism it's it's it is at, at the minimum a giant oversight <laughs> right <laughs> but yeah i do think it you know it is it is racism um, yeah it's ugly head once again yeah on a grand scale for sure but like even if you were just to say like oh it's just naivete it's like all right well we need to start chipping away at that too because you can say like well i just don't know i need to be educated it's like well cool like let's start that process now <laughs> let's do it yeah. yeah i mean i think you know i don't think racism is like a is like a mode i think for some people it's like a mode they're in it's like a gear they're just fucking stuck in i think right. for other people it's like we can we can get you out of that right mm-hmm or it's like you know, it's like oh, you might have had a uh, racially charged misconception. We can we can do we can something. change that. Yeah, don't be don't be too defensive. We can change this. Right. 
you you are not stuck in it forever um but yeah back to the, <laughs> the film at hand what what moments really stood out to you burn i think you watched it yesterday right i watched it a couple days ago yeah okay um, so what has really stuck stuck with you in these past few days i agree with you i think the dynamic between uh david and the grandma hilarious just really yeah. delightful um, yeah, that's a relationship I didn't necessarily see being mm-hmm. like kind of like the the movie for a lot of it, right? Yeah, no, I didn't see that coming either. Um, I found the scene where the grandmother had just come over. She had just gotten off the plane, and it's the first yeah. time where they're interacting. And the scene where she's showing the daughter, the mom, uh, mm-hmm. all of the the food that she brought from Korea, and the daughter's like crying because she's so happy to have that food again. That was really yeah. touching to me. Mm-hmm. I really loved that scene. The scene where she bites that chestnut and tries to give it to the kid. I was like, there's something so like my grandma's never done any weird shit like that. <laughs> but like there's something but like but like she might have like because there's something about that scene where I was like, oh, I like feel that like there's something there where it's like my grandma hasn't done that. But she probably did something really just like strange. Mm-hmm. Where I was just like. I don't know. I don't know about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about this. And and the just the brown tea antler liquid <laughs> they made that kid drink. I was like, I felt. So- I, feel, I feel you, man. Yeah. I get you. <laughs> I felt so sad when like the daughter, uh, what is her name, Anne, Anne. where Anne right. was just like, no, you can't have any Mountain Dew. That's yours over there. <laughs> water oh it's water from the mountains yes water from the mountains love that love that love uh, yeah the grandma you know she's incredible uh her her just character is like so good and it's so like again like there's no there's no death in the movie but but you know i think one of the most tragic moments and by the end of the movie remains to be tragic because you know despite like the farm burning down it seems like they are going to the marriage has survived. He is uh, overcoming his hubris, and they will be doing farm stuff, and it'll work out. But you know, the grandma having the stroke is like is like one of the just most, you know, again a humbling experience. Things that happen, you know, it, it happened to anybody. It's it was so like, just hard to watch, you know. Hmm. Yeah, I haven't had anyone, I believe, in my family who has had a stroke, but in Heath's family, people have had strokes and. Yeah, I know some people recover and and can get some level of normalcy again, but it's you know it's just especially like back then in like the eighty and like I think the thing all the things surrounding it too were really what made it so unsettling. They're like, all right, well we're gonna go to church because we can't just like fucking call somebody here, right? Like we'll call at someone the, at the trailer, yeah. And you know, I think I think with stuff like that, time is really of the essence. You know. Oh yeah, every second is important and dire. Yeah. yeah. So that was all, you know, just hard, hard to fucking watch. Um, and I liked the the fact that what the grandma really liked doing was watching wrestling, and so it like made it even sadder for some reason. The fact that like her thing that she likes to do is watch wrestling, and now her body has become even like harder to maneuver on her own. Yeah, I, I didn't think about that connection. You know, for me, like, I think it's that she had such a, like, you know, she's a spicy grandma, right? Yeah. But it's because she had, she had such a, a vibrant personality and, you know, she clearly was 
you know, it's which is like all in the mind. Like she had like she had she seemed to have like a brilliant, fun loving mind where you know she liked to gamble. Um mm-hmm. she she loved the Menard. Like she just was such a vibrant personality to see so to see that get hindered in any way, you know, and it's and it's a lot of what like I think helped uh, D- David really um, grow as a character as well, and you know that's all tough. But again, and and in in woven into the the quilt of the movie again, so so humbling, so just normal, so just like this is things that can happen. Um, a character we haven't really talked about, who I really <laughs> enjoyed was uh, Daryl Cox's. Uh, is it Mister Hart or no? Is that his name? Are you thinking no, of? I'm, talking, I'm thinking of Paul. I'm yeah. thinking of Paul. Uh, Will Patton's Paul. I thought he'd be higher in, in the top build on IMDb. Yeah, come on, IMDb. He's like four or five down. He's like one of the main dudes. <laughs> um, I really liked his character, mm-hmm. um, and I really liked the way they introduce him in the movie as well. Like, um, him having like the the Korean money on him because he like fought in the Korean War. I was just like, oh, this is like such like, and it's not it's not like the focus of the movie. It's not like he's like Mister PTSD or anything. It's like it's just like this element of like camaraderie from an unexpected place mm-hmm. that kind of just like happens very quickly. And I'm like, that's so cool. Like, I really I really like that. I think it's a good moment in the movie, but I kind of like it as more like to, to, to pull that interaction back and really look at it. I thought it was really really cool. Oh yeah, and that character's great. <laughs> he is great. I I think it's important because instantly when he was introduced, I was like, oh gosh, is this going to be a bad character? Is he going to say something that I'm not going to like or not respond right. to well? And yeah, it it's just really neat to show someone from a completely different walk of life who's actually just like a good person. Yeah, because you don't sure. really see any of his faults if he has any. He's a little strange and he does things in his own different way, but you don't really see anything like actually negative about his character at all, which is cool. Yeah, and I kind of I, I feel very similarly about Stephen Yoon's character, the dad, because I do think there are moments where, or maybe like tropes that I was expecting to pop up with him, like being shitty or something like that, and like you know he he has his flaws, right? He he. He makes the sh- decisions in the movie that may not be the right decision, and and at some point later in the movie, it really costs him almost everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, again, like that, that's he's another character in the way him and his wife and the whole family interacted. Where I was just like, oh, it's like it, that's what makes the movie feel so grounded and humble is because it's like it's not him like flying off the ham- handle and being crazy. It's it's he's he's very like he's just trying to work and he doesn't really have outbursts and stuff like that. He's just, he seems like a really nice guy. who's just trying to do his best, you know? Um, even when he punishes like David, it's like, well, he's not hitting you. Like, <laughs> you know, that's a lot, that's a lot better than a lot of dads can say. Yeah. I was really nervous that we would actually see him use a switch, but I do think the fact of like the grandma coming in and just being like, no, you're not going to hit him. He's David. Look at him. Yeah, he's so cute. What the fuck do you mean? Right. You see this kid's, you see this kid's cheeks? What the fuck are you going to do? <laughs> right. How can you hit those cheeks? Either mm-hmm. either of the sets of cheeks. What are you going to do? And then he brings in the little grass. Yeah. And I was like, this kid is fucking good. <laughs> he's a smart ass. Yeah, look at him. <laughs> I should know this gentleman's name, but I don't remember. He passed away. A while ago. But there was a gentleman in my hometown community. He wouldn't do it every Mm. Sunday, but every Easter he would walk from like one of the neighboring towns. He'd carry a cross. And he would carry a cross. 
So Damn, he must have been very strong. <laughs> I mean, he did it until like old age. I think it was just like it didn't matter how heavy it was. He was like, I'm going to do it. Like, yeah, I'm just going to make it work. Um, So, yeah, like that Damn. is something that you could see in my hometown. But he only did it That's... once a year. It wasn't like every single Sunday like Paul did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was reading Paul doing it and. And it was, I'm not sure if the movie's really positing this. It was just kind of like a a thought I had. I was like, oh, I wonder if this is what this character's dealing with. But like, I I was very like, um, uh, or I was attempting to be dialed in at least on on him being like this Korean war vet. And I was like, I wonder if he like did some bad shit in the war. And he's he's carrying this cross as like a penance or something, you know. (laughs) And he wants to work for this dude because of maybe the things he did while he was over there. And, and again, it's like penance. He's seeking penance. So that's why he's like so helpful. And I'm not sure if that's necessarily what the character is or going for, but it was like a, it was like a layer of like narrative texture that I kind of put on there that I thought was like, maybe, I, I don't know, interesting to bring up. Uh, I'm not sure if there's too much there other than what I kind of put into it, but I like that. I did. I, I really like this character. I, I, I like his exorcism scene. <laughs> I was, I was thinking of uh, Nathan for you when he was doing it. Yeah. <laughs> the, the exorcism uh, episode. Oh, so funny. Yeah, I I got a good chuckle out of that myself. Mm-hmm. And my mom, like, believes that kind of stuff to a certain extent. Um, She's not speaking in tongues, though. No. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> but she does have, like... I don't think she's done it since COVID, of course, but she does have a priest come over and like bless the house and bless the doorways and like they yeah. write on top of the doors and chalk and you know it's, yeah. it's like a, a whole thing to keep like your your living space clean and I what mean, have you, know, you. I'm not I'm not above doing like you know I'm I'm not a, a religious person. Um, I like to think of myself as like sometimes spiritual when I feel like it. Um, but, you know, I remember a buddy of mine, he was having, like, some really bad luck, right? And we had a friend. She was, like, a little witchy. Mm-hmm. She did, like, some witchy stuff. She was like, all right, come on. Go get, go to the store. Buy some sage. I'm going to sage you head to toe. And you're going to be good. And it helped. Yeah. You know? So, you know, I wouldn't be... If I had some bad mojo going on, I wouldn't be above, like, saging my house, which realistically is the same method, uh, different method of action, same, same desired outcome, right? Sure. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I wouldn't be above doing something. And sage smells nice. This holy oil thing that he's got going, I don't fuck. I don't know what that smells like. But <laughs> I'm assuming it's. I'm assuming it's inoffensive. <laughs> I would hope so. Yeah, but yeah, it's kind of like a cool way to just like paint the end of the film too. Is that although it is heartbreaking to see their crop go up in flames, you do kind of wonder if like the burning of the crops, like it needed to happen to cleanse their family to like kind of put them all on the same page. Well, you know, he grew the crop out. It was grown out of his hubris, right? Like it was it, like he was able to get it, but it, he he kind of like took some shortcuts. Did it maybe and... the took some shortcuts? Maybe did it the wrong way. Even though, like, arguably, like it, it, the scene where he's just like, "I'm gonna go get our own water." I'm like, I I, I didn't see anything wrong with that. I was no. like, yeah, you don't want to pay three hundred fucking dollars for water. Me either, dog. I get you, right? Like, um, but you know, if Wonder Woman taught us anything, it's you can't take shortcuts. <laughs> no shortcuts allowed. I think, I think that's what that movie's about. <laughs> um, at least the first ten minutes of it are. But uh, yeah, so you know, maybe maybe that's that. That was that was at least my understanding of it in like a narrative context. It's like you know, he took he took a shortcut. He he. All, I mean, and I also think in the movie kind of posits it 
in your face where it's like, you know, he's, he's putting his desire, he's, he's putting his dream ahead of his family. And in, in the question is like, is he doing this for his family or is he doing it for the dream? You know, like what, like what is, is he trying to provide for his family? Is he trying to just do this thing? You know, like what is, what really is it? And, uh, you know, I do think the movie wrestles with it in a way that, that does make you question it. Cause like, you know, I, I feel for that character where I'm like, he wants to do this thing. If he can, if he can accomplish it, he can do this for his family. But it's like, well, at what cost, you know? Mm-hmm. And also like, you know, the, the, the way I, I, I gotta stop saying the wife. Um, <laughs> Monica. Cause that's Monica. She, um, you know, she had to leave her whole like social circle and situation. And, you know, that would be. Me and my partner talk a lot about like moving and stuff, and one of the things that really uh, impedes me from really wanting to do it is just getting rid of my social circle and support group. And you know, for them, it was church. You know, like just getting rid of a community you fostered and built is like just really daunting, and I, and I think just kind of gets harder the older you get too. And especially if you have kids, like it's and especially if you move to a totally secluded area, like. Yeah, that's it's a big ask, right? At any yeah. time in your life. Yeah, you're stacking the cards against yourself, like yeah. for a while. It, it takes a while sometimes to fully like get into your groove. And it was so funny when Monica is at work and she was like, "We should start like a Korean church." And even like the other Korean lady was like, "Why do you think so many people left the city was to get away from Korean church?" Yeah. I thought that like, was a funny line. Seeking asylum from that thing, whether. Who know who knows why, right? Right. But. Yeah, I thought it was really sad that Jacob kept saying, like, I I need them to be proud of me and like I need them to see that I can succeed at something. But really it seemed to me like he needed to feel for himself that he could succeed at something. Yeah. I mean I I, I get it. The the stubborn kind of like drive to just kind of like do a thing. Like I think I think everyone can relate to that mm-hmm. to a certain extent. I know I, I know I can where it's like I've definitely like just try to to do something at, at all costs, no matter what anyone would tell me, because I just wouldn't fucking listen, right. you know. <clears throat> but like, he really was about to throw it all away, you know. His his uh, Monica was like, "We're not, we're done. If you can't figure this out, I'm not quite sure if I if I understood the scene where she was really like, oh, you you almost you put the family ahead of us because we're here for David. And it's like, is it because you tried to bring the crop there at the same time, or is it because he? was holding it in the hospital. I wasn't sure if I totally, like, got that motivation. I think it was in the conversation before they found out that he was fine. I think it was them, like, sitting on that, uh, that, like, bench in that hallway while the kids were playing. And it was, like, pretty much, I think she mentioned something, like, I don't think I want to do this anymore. And and he was, like, well, I have to see this through. Like, I'm I'm not Mm -hmm. going to leave now. I think, yeah, because yeah, to me, I was like, let him bring the crop into the hospital. Like, you might be a little embarrassed, but it's going to just, like, rot in the car in the heat. Like, of course, he needs to bring it in. So at that point, I was yeah. like, Monica, just, like, it's fine. <laughs> let him bring it into the hospital. But then once they got yeah. in there, and she had already told him, like, multiple different ways where he wouldn't have to, and then he did anyway, I was like, oh, no, this isn't going to end well. Yeah, he homeboy's not listening. No. And she's also, yeah. like, not being understanding of him either. I thought it was, like, a two-way street. Yeah, no, that's fair. And, you know, it is interesting, again, by the end of the movie, like, 
they had this near-death experience, the crop burns, they, they have learned that, you know, the doctor says, like, hey, whatever you guys are doing for David right now, don't change anything. <laughs> don't go like, anywhere. Okay. Um, but she she does, you know, in, in just the body language of those final moments of the movie, it does seem like she, you know, is like, all right, we're, we're doing it, you know? So it's like, I wonder... Yeah, I, I think you can look into it in many ways. I think it's again, this is when it's it's more autobiographical than anything else. But you know, I do wonder what kind of was like the push for her to be like, all right, we're we're sticking it out, we're staying here. Like what, like what pieces fell together for her? Because before that, like there were, I think, enough pieces for her to be like, all right, we should see this through and stick it out. But she, um, in a way that I understand, wanted to stick to her guns and be like, I'm. She was afraid of what her husband was going to throw under the you know keep looking past or keep keep burning on his cr- crusade to, to seek what he wants you know like you know i i got where she was coming from she was she was she lost her faith in him you know right i think rightfully so yeah i think too that her saying she was going to leave and that it was over she meant it yeah. it's not that she didn't mean it um, and she was steadfast in her opinion, but I'm sure that there was something in the back of her head where she knew that like she could still go back to him if things mm. didn't work out once they had separated. But the fact of then actually almost losing him for good made her realize, like, well, I can't leave him. I, I love him. Like, if I actually yeah. lost him, you know, she realized in that moment that, like, she couldn't live without him. Because before she brought them together, yeah. Because before the idea of living mm-hmm. without him, she said that's what she wanted, but she hadn't put it into yeah. action yet, and that immediately like put it into perspective for her of like, oh no, what would it actually feel like to not have him around? Yeah, and that was yeah, very scary. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, even even in that moment when the uh, the barn, I don't even know it's a barn, like the housing of of the crop is on fire you know she she goes in not to just get him out right but to to help get the crops out because you know i think she she gets it and i think also like you know even if you're mad at him like about this thing that's kind of like tearing you guys apart to see his like you know she also sees him come home and can't raise his arms because he's so fucking tired right yeah so to see his like his you know all of his work all of his work that amounted to it in flames she she had the drive to be like, all right, let's get it. Let's get it. Let's out. do it. Yeah, we're a team oh. now. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's good stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, my favorite um, water from the mountains <laughs> comes from the River of Baja. Oh. Um, it is is blasted from the rocks. <laughs> yeah. It's like a tornado or a tornado, a, uh, like a tra- volcano of of Baja. Yes, it's a volcano of Baja. That's my favorite. What's your favorite uh, uh, water from the mountains, Bernadette? I think I have to agree with you. And I think probably because it's you can only get it in one place. That's like very exciting. I also yeah, like... One one shack. Yes. <laughs> I also will say that I do like the reddest of codes. I think that's pretty good, too. Yeah, there's, there's something about his alarming taste. Yes. <laughs> that really... You don't really know really what you're tasting. <laughs> You know, to to pull back the veil, uh, I don't think you can get Mountain Dew Code Red in too many places anymore. Because I don't oh. think they have it at Taco Bell. Because also, like, a, a, a bottled Baja Blast or a canned Baja Blast, abs- not the f- same. absolutely fucking not. No, it's on draft, right from the keg. Right uh, from the keg. Um, 
right from the tap, the real good artisan <laughs> shit. But I don't think you can get Code Red on tap no more. Mm-mm. Yeah, so. So to take you back to like my late junior high, early middle school, like that type of vibe, mm-hmm. it was uh, Wednesdays. I'd go to youth group at my friend Garrett's church in Madison, Indiana, which was like cool. the closest area that had like all of like the shopping places you would go after going to like youth group which was really just like attending a 40 minute sermon but prior to that they had like basketball courts video games pool tables like you would just go and like hang out at this cool rec center with all your friends and then yeah go listen to church for like 40 minutes then we would go to taco bell drink all of that delicious delicious baja blast the water of the river yes. and then we would go to walmart and play hide and seek so i mean living the life in rural southeastern really indiana kill, killing it <laughs> very good yeah so uh, mountain of the water yeah. for sure mountain of the water for sure <laughs> i think now if i drank if i drank baja blast more than like once a year it would it would like kill you just disint- disintegrate one of my teeth yes. like you know like i would yeah, go to the dentist like oh you're 30 you had two baja blasts this year <laughs> Which one do you want to look? Which which tooth are we taking out? Because <laughs> you, you that's what you pay now. Yep, that's what you give me. Yep, this is. And he puts it on his. He puts it on his necklace of thirty year old mountain dew teeth. teeth. Yeah, I give this to my son when I die. It's true. I <laughs> it mean, takes my place. Maybe drinking all of that Mountain Dew like got us to where we are now. Like maybe we wouldn't have survived. Maybe it built up our immunities. <laughs> I like I like that more. It's an elixir that has brought us strength. But our body has morphed now. We we aren't able to drink it. We're too no, old true. now. It, it, it kept us powerful when we were young, but it it would do us dirty now. Exactly. Um. Yeah. Couldn't. Can't talk about Minari unless we spend a significant amount of time on Mountain Dew. <laughs> I mean, those um, were very cool Mountain Dew bottles to see. Very fun. Those Good were. I mean, well, they're in bottles. Like that's that's the thing, right? Mm-hmm. I also don't know if I've ever really seen a liter bottle. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Or it's a big, it was big. It was like, big. I, I think you can get like uh, polar seltzers or Poland seltzers or whatever. I think you can get those in like a liter bottle. But oh, really? Because mm-hmm. I know you can get like Pellegrino. Mm-hmm. That can come in like the big green bottle. But you know, most of that stuff is in plastic now. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Cool. Well, uh, yeah, that's that's what we got on Minari. Uh, Burn, did you have any other uh, moments, points, or otherwise you'd like to bring out about the film before we wrap up? I really liked that they used like the whole plant metaphor, and I liked that like the actual Minari. I didn't know what that was, so I found it very yeah, cool either. to find out that it was a plant, and that the grandma was the one who brought it over, and it was like the only thing that survived that year, which was. A very cool like story technique. I'm glad that no one got bit yeah. by a snake. I think that was very cool because I was nervous that a snake was going to bite someone almost the entire movie. I mean, they they, they, <laughs> they set it up kind of like a few times, right? Yeah. Because they bring up the snakes. They're like, there are snakes down there. Mm-hmm. Don't fuck with it. And it was like, cool. And then they're like fucking down there. <laughs> and then uh, and then she's like, you know, if it high, I wonder if this is like a metaphor that went over my head later in the movie. But she's like, it's scarier when things hide. Right, you know, because then you kind of like don't know where it is. Right. Um, I'm not really sure what that means thematically for the movie. Uh, but I do really like that line, though. I think it's, I think it is a true uh, verbiage of wisdom. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. But I did feel uh like pretty silly 
uh, not realizing the whole like trailer metaphor too. Like the fact that it had wheels at the beginning. And I mean, it's not like it didn't have wheels at the end, but they cover up the wheels. Like they actually started to like build around uh, the wheels to yeah, like, actually make right. it a home. And I was like, okay, Good, cool. Uh, There's a lot going on with this movie that's done so simply and beautifully mm-hmm. that you kind of just forget that it's there. But then when you realize it's there, you appreciate it even more. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, that's a good uh that's a good catch burn. Hmm. I did not even I didn't even put that together. I wonder if there's more things like that in the film. Oh, I'm sure. Undoubtedly. Yeah. But we'll have to wait until we can watch it again, uh, when it's on streaming services or uh some kind of compact disc. Yeah. <laughs> who knows? But uh a floppy disc of sorts. T- who knows? But until then, uh, Burn, thank you so much for joining me. Do you have anything you'd like to plug before we uh, wrap up? Not anything in particular. Uh, We're still, like, cranking out. Obviously, you guys know every Monday uh, we have a delicious podcast for you most of the time. And then we usually release the videos on Wednesdays, and those are always great, too. Maybe Wednesday? I think Tuesday. Uh, I I do. Sometimes they they get pushed. Right. uh, As as things do. they take a lot of work those those <laughs> videos, uh, but generally we try to hit two. I think I think the last one they got pushed was just um, our top twenty one. Oh yes, yeah. it's massive. That was a Burge joint, and it was uh, yeah very long, and he did a very good job. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Speaking of those things, yes, uh, listeners, please, if you like this, and I assume you do, if you made it to the end of the podcast. Uh, yeah, please go to storiescreenbeacon.com where you can find many other articles, podcast reviews, uh, our videos. We are trying to build up our, our YouTube channel, so please come check that out. But we've been doing all this other stuff for many years now, and uh, we come out with co- uh, content weekly. And if that's not enough, you can also find our members-only... Uh, Exclusive feed. Know, exclusive feed of content where you can get even more things for just... Uh, one easy payment of $5 a month. Uh, the money helps us do all sorts of really fun stuff and start to expand our brand and also expand the type of content that we do. So we really appreciate uh, any support that you can give us, whether it's monetary or clickies, or if you just say nice things to us on Facebook, that is cool too. We like that. Yeah, a dollar. Appreciate all those things. $1.25 a week. Not bad. That's true. Pretty good you price. Your favorite, your favorite local movie people, mm-hmm. or if you're not from around here, your uh, national, international movie people that you like, and I appreciate that. You fucking weirdo. Thank you. Yeah, it's nice to it's nice to be liked. <laughs> I like being liked. It's nice. Uh, like, share, subscribe, all the usual mumbo jumbo. Uh, if there's a place under the podcast where you can give us five stars or say something nice, please do it. Uh, we appreciate it. We love hearing from you guys. And all that stuff really helps all the strange algorithms I don't understand, among many other things. But uh, Bernadette, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Listeners, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with more hot takes. But until then, peace. Bye. Bye.